You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. Crippled Content Creations and Podcast Jukebox present Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability with your host, Andrew Gerza. Disability After Dark with Andrew Gerza. Shining a bright light on sex and disability. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Hello, hello, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for clicking on this brand new episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and... Ooh, my voice just cracked there. One more time. <laughs> this is the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability. I am your host that's going through second puberty, Andrew Gerza. Hello friends, welcome, welcome, thank you for being here, get comfy, cozy, and crippled, whatever that means for you, and let's get started! On today's episode, I have an amazing conversation with TV writer with a disability, Esme Mazio, and we have a fun conversation where we go off on a quadrillion tangents about sexuality, disability, high school reunions and disability, we talk about virginity, we talk about the the concept of independence and how that shaped things for Esme, we talk about dating with a disability, we talk about why men with disabilities shouldn't say able-bodied preferred on their profiles, um, because it's weird, and we have a really fun conversation that goes all over the place, and I really enjoyed chatting with her, and I hope you do too. Of course, we also talk about TV representation and disability, because that's what Esme does. She's a TV writer. So we do a deep dive into that. But this was a really fun combo, and I'm excited for you to hear it. I am proud to present to you my interview with freelance writer Esme Mazio right now on Disability After Dark. Esme Mazio, hey, welcome to Disability After Dark. How are you today? Hi, I'm good. How are you, Andrew? I am so... I just... I love having new guests, and I love having you especially, because you just told me before I hit record 30 seconds ago that you have been binging this show, and you're already at episode 80? Yeah, well, I had a lot of time. It was just a holiday weekend in the States, so I had... Like, I went upstate uh, to my family, and I had a lot of time in the car, and... (laughs) I just don't sleep very well, so I've had a lot of time, and I mean, I'm a journalist, too, so I do my research, so yeah. I'm, I'm s- like, 
78 or 84 or something like that. Wow. That First of all, thank you. And also, I'm so sorry you had to sit through me rambling for 80 episodes. I hope you. I hope they're great. Uh, they're awesome because I was like, what am I getting myself into? Like, am I going to have to talk about anal uh, all the time? Like, what, what's going on? Like, I don't know much about that. What am I getting into? And I realized that you're just like a disability podcast. And we can talk about sexuality. We can talk about identity. We can talk about all that stuff. So I love it. I love that I know exactly what I'm in for. Fantastic. Right I also think in the last 30 seconds, I've come up with the title of this episode and it might have to be am I gonna have to talk about anal (laughs) (laughs) wow wow well my goal for the whole podcast now is gonna be like to one up that yeah one up that title awesome (laughs) awesome so welcome to the show please Esme introduce yourself my name is Esme Mazio I'm a journalist, writer, I never know what to say to that part because it's like, um... I know, it's I, so weird, right? You're like, I uh, I do stuff? I write stuff, um, I also have a degree in it. Um, right now I work for, uh, Romper, which is a site, a brand of Bustle Digital Group. Um, I am a TV writer, um, but then that's part-time, and then the other part-time, I'm usually writing about my disability. Because that's what I can get to sell. Um, <laughs> so true. It's true. It's true, though, trying to sell your disability. Like, let's talk about that for a minute. Like, wh- how do you feel? Do you feel more comfortable writing about disability, or do you feel more comfortable being a TV writer? Wow, that's a hard question. I have to say I love being a TV writer. Um, because, and let's be clear, I don't, I wish I really, it was like a, you know like Ryan O'Connell and like wrote episodes of TV. I write about TV, um, and I love it. But I also like the pieces that are about my disability are like unique and like they're mine and like they're really hard. So I also like that. I think I like them both. And yeah. Yeah, you've written some really to just jump right in. You've written some really heavy, and I don't mean heavy like. Well, I, I sort of do. You've written some, like, heavy stuff on, like, the body, disability. And the one you kind of pointed me to when we were doing our preamble to, like, get to do this was an article you wrote for... We still there? Yeah, hi. I just heard a bunch of weird feedback, which I'm going to try to cut out, audience, and if I don't... Sorry! Uh, so let me restart that again. You wrote an article called... Um, my wheelchair glamour shoot, which is one that I was reading over your press kit yesterday, and I was like, "Wow, this is such a nuanced piece about disability." In the piece, you talk a lot about disability, ableism, your relationship with your mobility device, your body, photography, and so many more things. But also, you talk about your first kiss with boys and how disability what? and alcohol play into all that stuff. Can you tell me about this piece a little bit? Yeah, wow. Well, first of all, let's clarify. It was one guy. It wasn't like multiple guys at one time. Oh, did I, I read it wrong? I thought there was I thought there was like a few there was one or two. Oh, no. Okay. So, the kiss was one guy. But there was um like an episode I had in college. It was Cinco de Mayo. 
and this I like turned around in my chair to get a beer just to like I don't know I was like uh I don't go to clubs or whatever like I'm stressed let me get a beer so I turn around in my chair to my like little mini fridge to get a beer and um I had like a, a roommate sort of thing that I I mean she lived next to me but we called each other roommates and I was like I'm gonna grab a beer the next thing I know, I hear, like, this ridiculous, like, male voice that I've never heard before saying, like, your room is a mess. I, and I turn around, and it's this dude I'd never seen before, and he's drunk off his ass, and I'm like, yeah, I know my room's a mess. Like, I'm a messy person. What can I do? And he goes to sit in my walker, I think, um... Yeah, I was in my chair, so I I use a walker and a wheelchair just um, simultaneously or whatever. Awesome. And he sits in my chair, and I'm like, what are you, like, and he's like, what's this? Oh, and no. I'm like, what are you, like, I use it to get around, like, what are you doing? Um, and then he was like, we should have sex. And just I was like, like that? Whoa. Um, yeah, I don't think we should have sex because, like, first of all, he was drunk, obviously. I'm not going to do that. But second of all, like, I was in Mickey Mouse pajamas, like, matching Mickey Mouse pajamas. I mean, look, if somebody wants <laughs> to, to go down on me in Mickey Mouse pajamas, I am here for that. Let me know. I'll figure it out. <laughs> I was also listening to Hanson like a couple minutes before that. Hanson's awesome, by the way. Um, wow, I have I was so like, many feelings about that last thing you just said, but okay. <laughs> Do you not think Hanson's awesome? Um, no, but I support oh. that you do. It's okay. it's okay. We can still be friends. Um, and so <laughs> that's just really funny. Now I'm thinking about Hanson. No, so I just like didn't feel. Tra- I obviously I like had to get him out of my room. And meanwhile, my roommate, she also has CP, which that doesn't really matter in the story. But anyway, she's like, Whoa, she that's cool. To- you you and your roommate at college in a dorm had CP? Yeah, well, she was right next to me because I guess they had, like, the cripple, like, section. Oh, okay, now I understand. Had, not, like, like, not, like, the section, but, they like, the end rooms were, like, bigger. Yeah. So, I don't know. Like, she actually had a smaller room. But, yeah, she was right next to me and we we called each other ruby and so she she was like watching the show like just i i was like trying to give her eyes like she was like watching you fumble around this boy trying to figure out what to do can you please help me like get this dude out and she just like was like (laughs) entertained which is fine like if i was in any trouble she would have gotten me out of it and whatever but so i eventually got him out of my room and she was like, dude, I would have gone for it. And I was like, I mean, I don't know. He was like, I don't know if he was like my type or whatever. Uh, but he was also drunk, so I would never have like done anything. But like, that was just a weird experience because I was like, you're like just dr- like you're drunk off your ass. Like, you're not, you, I don't even know what you're seeing. Yeah. And it's, especially because the next day, me and my roommate, like, we kind of figured out, we figured out what room he belonged to. Like, so, someone on our floor had had a party 
and I don't know. He just got lost and was roaming the floor. So we figured oh, out what he was a stray, a stray boy. Yeah, he was a stray drunk puppy. So we figured out what room he had belonged to, and we found him on Facebook. And I was just like, "Hey, do you remember last night?" <laughs> and like, just to be funny, like I don't know, just to see like whatever he said. Yeah, and whatever he, his reaction was. He never messaged me back. So oh, boys are silly. <laughs> I think it's um, well, a good thing that. You know, <laughs> I didn't take advantage of a stray puppy. I mean, any cute human puppies or non-human puppies that want to come to my house, let me know. <laughs> um, so, so what was that experience like? What was like? What was that like for you to? Because in that story, so many things are happening. Like you identify that you're an ambulatory wheelchair user, which is awesome. Sure. Um, cool beans. You've also identified that, like, you you kind of talk about how, like, you weren't sure if he would see you as attractive, and is, does that did that have anything to do with, like, you being disabled? You also let us know, and I didn't ask you at the beginning, you have CP too, yay! Yeah, I have CP. I, I, yeah, I, CP is so weird to talk about because... Let's even, talk about it, I'm ready. Even in, like, well... I just mean, like, even in, um, you know, pieces that I do about my disability. So everybody wants to, so part of the goal of some of the content that I create is to get disabled content content for disabled people on mainstream platforms. Like, I'm trying really hard. Um, So, um so everybody always wants to know, like, about your disability, like, almost right up front. Yeah. Um, so it's really weird because what I try and do is I'll put it in at this point because I know they want it. Um, but I try and put it, like, sometimes, not because I'm ashamed, but just to see what happens. Like yeah, I try, to see I, kind of how the media will, will they run with it? Will it go bigger? If, like... If you, I find if you put disability in the headline, people are like, "Oh, I gotta, I gotta read that because those poor disabled people." But if you bury it somewhere to see what happens, that doesn't always happen. Well, sure, I'll tell you. I just mean in the editing process, so I'll tell you what happens in the editing process. So I put it wherever I want to, like I say, like, "Oh, I have CP." Like I don't even know if I say much else, and I mean sometimes I say like. Like caused by a stroke at birth or whatever, and I put it like wherever I think it belongs, and then the editor almost always will say, "I think we need to move this up," and I don't fight it ever, um, because you know it's work and whatever. And I always try and make it. I always try and make it known that I'm trying to like change what the content is or like do something a little bit different yeah. but if they want to move it up after I've made this argument I'm like fine whatever so but yeah that always happens to me um and I just think it's interesting it's just interesting I don't know see and I kind of I as a writer too have done that in pieces that I've written kind of I've done that automatically because I know that's what's going to get somebody to pay attention to what I'm talking about yeah, no, I understand that too, but I guess I'm just trying to 
find a way to make disability a part of the piece, but not the entire piece. Yeah, because, like, it doesn't have to be... I rem- We're going off on a tangent now, but I remember this one time I was in grad school, and I was taking this, like, it was, like, turning... turning um, turning your life into fiction or a narrative or something. And I was writing this piece, which actually in my wheelchair glamour shoot, that piece they talk about a little bit. I was writing a piece about, I think it was either me or the character or whatever had a little bit of disordered eating. Um, and so I was writing about disordered eating and I was writing about how like it was really hard for, I think it was me. I think I was just being me um, for me to like, eat a taco at one point at school like just like this process I had of like like being hungry and wanting to eat it but like eventually not eating it and rolling rolling over to the garbage can and throwing it out and in I think in the piece I like didn't talk about disability I just kind of like said oh yeah and I rolled to the garbage can to throw it out and like Everybody in the whole, like, what do you call those? The, like, seminar, the workshop was, like, um, you need to tell us that you're in a wheelchair. And I'm, like, but that's not what this story is. Like, it's just a part of me. It's not necessarily a part that I can hide or that I'm ashamed of. But, like, can't stories be more nuanced? So I guess that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. I mean... I can imagine from their perspective, like when you said rolled, me as a wheelchair user knew, I knew immediately what you were saying and I pictured that accordingly. But yeah. I, th- I think the trouble with non-disabled people, non-disabled people, is when they don't understand something, they need it to be so literally spelled out for them. Yeah, and I think that's a, an element of storytelling too, like you have to tell your readers certain things, so I get it. I mean... I definitely get it, but it's frustrating sometimes. I mean, I had, there was, I don't, there was a, a girl in my workshop too, who she's an amputee. You actually might know her, um, Dana Triosi, or. I do, I think, you know what, this reminds me, Dana, you sent me a, a form forever ago and I will get back to you, I promise. <laughs> oh wow, that's so weird, but yeah. So she was in that workshop too, um, and she was kind of like defending me. We were both kind of like, you know, like, so it was good to have one person there that like understood that at least that I wasn't like, you know, I wasn't losing my mind to like want this story to be about something else first. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I totally understand like the logic behind it, so I usually came in. But but that's, that was a that's huge gotta tangent. be frustrating though. Like that's gotta be really tough. Like how do you? I think we do need to look at storytelling with this, like because I I feel that urgency too of like putting disability first, and I would love to find a way to have disability be weaved into stories, but not be the central part of the story all the time. Sure, I mean, I don't think, huh, how do I say this? I don't think that the media is really ready for that. So what I try and do is I also recently wrote a reported essay about student loans 
Um, and disability, uh, because in the States we have the loan forgiveness program and, you know, it's a double-edged sword, sword type of thing because all of the government programs kind of are. Um, so it was a reported essay, so I talked to a bunch of people with disabilities and I tried to put as little about their disability as possible in the piece. And again, it was like a similar thing where I had to move it up or I had to say more or something. And I get it. Um, I, I just don't think the mainstream media is like there yet. And I, that's okay. We kind of just have to keep doing our work and keep trying. Yeah, but it is frustrating. Like, if your mission is to bring disability into mainstream media, it's frustrating when the only way they'll look at your story is if... Is if it's framed in like a poor disability narrative. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I mean, my well check glamour shoot is kind of deeper than, um, you know, it's, it's deeper than inspiration point. And I really like, I try and just kind of almost like go a little bit deeper than what I'm, what I like, so I'll read a piece about disability and dating or something, and I'll be like, okay, well, let me do that. Let me, like, if a piece is about, like, look at me, I'm worthy of of, of dating, which that whoever that person is, hypothetically, their piece is completely valid and amazing, and I love it. But I'm like, okay, let me, like, actually do the dating thing and try and write about that for disabled people so like you know so that it's more about the experience and not just like inspiration if that makes but, any sense um, yeah they, i'm sorry that was me my itunes um kind of i have a microphone on my headphones there's, so. there's a little bit of a there's a little bit of a whoa, whoa, sound i'm hearing and i don't know why oh is that my fan you want me to turn it off do you mind it might be my fan. No, sorry. That's okay. Also, I there are people in my house and they're being loud, and I almost like got up and screamed at them. Like that sounds way better. I can hear you much better now. Okay, I'm so sorry. That was just my fan. Oh no, don't worry about it. Um, I'm gonna edit this part out, but let's uh. Fine. All right. Do you want to get back into? The, oh, it's back again. Whatever the buzzing sound is, I hear it again. Oh my gosh! It's like is your is your mic all the way into your computer? Um, do you hear it now? No. Okay, I know what it is. The buzzing is that I took one ear out, oh, so I have. Oh, okay. I'm so sorry. That's all right. Is oh. it hard for you to hear me if you have one? If you have both in, though, it's hard. No, no, no. It's just that I I tend to like not be able to hear myself and so i scream louder but it's okay, fine okay it's just cp or whatever <laughs> oh i get it i get it real talk um okay let me pull up let me i remove the questions by accident hang on oh no worries um just while we're at pro you're probably cutting this out right obviously yeah, i am i am so we're gonna go back into like i can go back into my wheelchair glamour shoot because i didn't talk about like the the kiss part, if you want to know about yeah, that. Yeah, okay, sure. And I'll lead into, like, something like, 
So back to that, I'll do something like, so back to the piece you were doing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm ready now. Awesome. So back to the wheelchair glamour shoot piece. There are so many moving parts of this piece, and that's why I loved it so much. Um, Tell me, first of all, I've done photo shoots before. What was doing a wheelchair glamour shoot like for you? Um, I really liked it a lot. What? Well, so I had to fund it myself. So what I did was I kind of like, like through friends, I got like friends of friends of friends to do it. So it was just like a, a space that I felt really comfortable in. And I love that you use the word friend tendant. Um, I had a friend tendant with me also. Yeah, you I, did. Friend tendants are the best. Hey. But I hired, I hired like, um, I hired the photographer and the stylist and the makeup artist and hair person myself. Um, and they were awesome. And it was just like a really good space to be in. And, uh, yeah. So, I mean, it was a pretty good day. But you still had like ableism feels about how it looked and how like how your pictures turned out well let's see yeah so if we if we jump ahead to like seeing the pictures I actually like freaked out when I first saw them I think that it was a little bit of just whenever anybody sees pictures of I mean I guess I can't say that um, so I, maybe it was a little bit of ableism or like, you know, self-esteem or something. Um, when I first saw the pictures, I was like, shit, these are horrible. Like, I can't even, like, the, the photography wasn't horrible. Let me be clear. The photographer is amazing. I love him a lot. Um, but I was just like looking at the person in the pictures and I was like, these are like, these are bad. Like, I can't believe like I cut my... I cut my tattoo and he had on like my foot tread and he had to like Photoshop part of my tattoo out. That looks so dumb. Or like, you know, my legs were a little bit wonky or whatever. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, like what did I even do? But now when I look at them, I like them a lot. Um, I just think it's gross. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so hard. And I do a lot of, press stuff for my stuff and I would look at my photos and go oh I look weird like why am I making that face or like why is my CP making my face do that or why are my hands doing that or why am I sitting that way and it's like I, I always have a moment of like oh disability made this picture look like crap meanwhile the picture could look amazing and I feel weird yeah um I think also something that if I do it another time if I do another photo shoot hopefully in my life um, I don't like pictures where I'm looking directly at the camera and the photographer was like really respectful of that. And I, you know, th that's awesome. But then like being where I am now, I'm like, I should have looked at the camera like more times. Like I wish that I told him to like ignore me and just do what he had to do. Um, so you know, there's that part of it, too. I don't really know why looking at the camera was so weird to me. I think it's just, like, I think it's just a weird experience, maybe. Yes, like, I think it's tough for everybody, whether you have a disability or not. When you look directly at the camera, you're like, oh, no, how am I being perceived right now? I'm being recorded. Someone's going to see my derpy face, and then what do I do? <laughs> yeah, 
I mean, like, even as we're recording this podcast, I kind of am like, I'm like being myself and I hope that's noticeable, but I'm also like, oh gosh, like, what am I saying exactly as I say it? So I think it just has, it's something to do with like being recorded that you're just like, ah, what's going on? What are people going to think? Yeah, I know. That's me every day when I do this podcast. So I, I feel you pretty, I got you. I got you yeah. right there. Um, so part of this, in this article called My Wheel Trick Glamour Shoot, you talk about your first kiss with a boy. Tell yeah. me, tell me that story. All right. So it was my 10 year high school reunion and I didn't want to go at all, but I had two friends. One of them, she actually, this is very sad. Um, she lost her brother that summer. This is in November, but she lost her brother that summer. And I was, I'm like the type of friend that like, I'm there for you in those situations. Like I wanted to go to all the things and whatever, but I, um, I was in Italy. I like was flying to Italy that like exactly when all this stuff was going on. So I couldn't go to her thing and I felt horrible or her brother's services. I couldn't go to them and I felt horrible. So there was a little bit of guilt from that. And then I also had another friend on the planning committee that she, for a living, she like camps with, with kids. She like goes into the woods. That and sounds does- horrible, but I'm glad she likes it. I know. Oh my God. We like talk about it all the time. And I'm like, this is terrible. I'm my worst nightmare. My and, like, worst nightmare is camping with children. Yep. There it is. Yeah. So, so she does this. So I was like, um, I, I had gotten to some Halloween party and a couple of my friends were going. And so I, I, I felt guilty. And my one, my one friend was trying to make me go. And so I felt guilty and I felt like I owed her to go to this thing. And then I texted my friend who works in the woods and I was like, I knew she was on the planning committee too. And I was like, should I go to this stupid thing? And she was like, yes, I'm in the woods right now. So I can't talk long. But like, she texted me back. She was like, please come, come, come. So I was like, oh my God, she's in the woods and she's texting me this. So I have to go. Like, she really wants me to go. So I ended up going and... I did my homework beforehand. Like, my one friend who was on the planning committee is legally blind, so she knows some disability stuff. And she definitely, I think she told me that it was accessible. And then I I did my homework, too. I called up to see if it was accessible. So it was supposed to be accessible. And I walk in, and it's, like, the least accessible space that I've ever been in in my life. Oh, no. It was like, I think there was like a step or something up to it. So my friend had to like help me up. So like even before we got into the space, it was really not accessible. But let me try and give you this picture. So like there was like a little, there was like a little bit of, there was like a little bit of seating space on the right side of the wall. But then like the rest of the right side was a bar so there was a bar and it was open bar, thank God. But the rest of the space was like standing room only. So pretty oh, much no. I could only sit in this. I don't know if I'm describing it well, but I could only sit in this one like little tiny section of of the room. And it was like crowded and 
I just never feel comfortable in spaces like that. You know what I mean? I can't, I, you know, I, at a family wedding, I can get a couple of drinks in me and I'll dance and feel all right. Yeah. But like in a space like this, like it's first, it's also our 10 year reunion. I was like, this is miserable. Like I'm miserable. Yeah. Cause so like, you're all, you're also having the anxiety of being like, Oh my God, it's my 10 year high school reunion. And I'm the disabled one. And then like, or one of the disabled ones, and then, like, you get there, and, of course, you are the one of the few that has to contend with accessibility. Yeah, yeah no, I mean, all, there was this ki- there was this guy on crutches. I don't really know. I don't... I I'm, I wasn't, like, super popular in high school, so I don't know, like, everybody's name, but, I mean, not that I would say it, but, like, there was this kid on crutches that I'd never seen before in my life. But, like, other than that, I think I was the only one in this, like, really tiny space that um had a a chick uh a i think i took my walker that night and i mean my friends are great um but i just and then you were talking about it being a 10-year reunion and like that totally fed into it because i didn't have a job at that point i mean you know nobody understands the financials of disability and how hard it is to Tell me the story. I know all about it, but let's talk get about that. Started. Okay, but we can come back to that because I want to get this story out. I feel like it's Oh, yeah, right. We're going on like seven tangents. Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. Um, But so this this guy had asked me like, oh, like, what do you do? And I was like, I'm a writer. I write for, I mean, at that point I was writing a little bit for a regional magazine and he was like, I don't remember what our conversation was, but he was like, oh, have I seen you anywhere? And at that point, I was like, uh, no, no. And, like, that makes you feel horrible. You know, like, have I seen your writing anywhere? And, and you have to like, be like, no. No. And then I think I was, I actually was pitching my, this, my wheelchair glamour shoot to the Times at that oh. time. Because they have a wheelchair, they have, like, a disability section, excuse me. And I think I, like, felt the need to say to him, like, oh, but I pitched the time something. And he is, like, this kid doesn't give a shit, you know? So he's like, yeah, 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 whatever. And it makes you feel like, like, such shit because you're like, oh, I'm so desperate for these people to, like, t- like. To care about me. To care, not care about me, but to, like, to be doing something that these people care about. So long story short, I was, like, miserable. I, well, I mean, this is already a long story, so it's not going to be short. So I was miserable. Um, I was just drinking all night because it was an open bar and I, people were getting me drinks. And like, they don't like the way the food was set up. It was like a buffet style. So like they didn't do well with feeding you. And, you know, when I first had gotten into to, to go to this um, reunion, I thought like, you know, there was going to be tables. So, if anything, I could, like, sit at a table. Yeah, right? Like, who wouldn't think there'd be tables? With a couple of friends and, like, chill out. But there weren't any, like, there was just this tiny little tables. Like, there was nowhere for me to go. Like, literally, I was stuck. So, I was drinking all night. I was, like, I was, this is kind of funny to, like, weird to talk about. But whatever. We all have these moments, I guess. So, I... I was so drunk, and at one point, I told my friend who, like, left early, who was going to take me home, I was like, no, 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 I want to stay, because, like, my bet, like, one of my best friends, who I hardly ever see, who's usually out in the woods, was, like, on the planning committee, so she had to clean up, and I was like, she'll take me home, 
Like, I want to stay. I want to stay. So then it was like later that night, whenever they were cleaning up, um, this kid comes and sits next to me. And I honestly, I think I felt like really free at that time because, you know, the space was empty. So I could finally walk around in the space. And I don't remember really what we were talking about, but all right. So it, it was election. It was like right after the 2016 election. Oh, wow. So I really do think that I was just, and this guy, he's really hot. I like him a lot. I, like he's awesome. And he is not white and I'm not white either. I'm white passing. Uh, I say, but I, I'm a little bit Puerto Rican. Um, so he's not white, and so maybe, like, my drunk mind was, like, I don't know, whatever I was thinking. I was just thinking about how much, like, you know, when I get drunk, I guess I get deep. Um, and I was just, like, I, I was just thinking about the country, and I was just, like, telling him how disappointed I was in the recent election results. And, you know, he might have kissed me to, like, shut me up. Um, but whatever, he was hot. Um, <laughs> so, so, I mean, I remember, like, feeling freer because we were sitting, we were, I was able to stand and walk around, and, like, we kissed a little bit. Um, yeah, and so that's the story of that, but, I mean, I don't exactly, I do remember what I was saying, but I don't want to say it, um, say the words, like, right now, when we're recording, but maybe right. I'll Tell after. me secretly after what you said. Um, yeah. So, uh, so many, so many parts of this story that I want to yeah. talk about. The first being high school reunion committee planning boards realize that after people leave high school, they might be, they might want to come back, and they're gonna still be disabled. So you're gonna have to figure shit out for them. Also. <laughs> People might develop disabilities as they age who will need assistance. So next time you plan a reunion, think about disability <laughs> first, people. Well, okay. So I'm, I mean, of course, this should happen all over. But I'm definitely, like, never going back to one of mine, ever. Um, even though this kiss moment was good and it created a lot in my life. Like, it, it was, like, a catalyst for tons in my life. Um, you said tons in your life i heard it was a catalyst for tongues in my life which, <laughs> and i hope it was that's amazing yeah i think it was a catalyst for some tongue um but <laughs> i don't really the sad thing is is i remember like the feeling that i have of it now is like oh it's it's nice and i i like the moment and i'm grateful for the moment um but i don't remember much <laughs> I was so drunk. Oh, my dad is going to be so ashamed if he ever listened to this. I was, like, plastered. Mr. Mazio, I don't know what episode this will be, but have a listen. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Um, um, yeah, but so I think that... What are they saying? Yeah, so the memory of it is just, like, good, but I don't really remember much. Um, but I do remember the editor of this piece for, for Narratively... Um, there are no, I had originally put pseudonyms in there and she was like, why are you putting suit? Like what? There's no point in putting pseudonyms. And I was like, 
uh, to protect my friends in case they don't want to this story out there or not not the story out there, but like, you know, just to protect my friends, but mostly to protect this guy. Not that I think he was ashamed, but like, it was like, I didn't really hang out with him in high school. Um, so we weren't friends, like, you know, close friends. Um, and so I was just like, you know, I just like wanted to protect the moment, but she was like, no, 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 don't put pseudonyms. So I ended up like talking to him and, He's a great guy. Um, he brought lots of tongues in your life. He brought some tongue in my life. Um, and I, I like asked him, I was like, what should I do? And he was just like, do like, I don't know. he's like, he's like more of a spiritual person than I am. I mean, I am spiritual, but anyway, he was like, do, do whatever your heart feels like or something. And so, you know, like I, I'm, big on the truth and so I just didn't use pseudonyms um but I kind of being a writer I kind of feel like I give um even sometimes on stupid tv posts like I'm giving a little bit of my heart or like giving a little piece of myself and so I'm trying to value privacy more and more in that um so that you don't so that you don't bleed yourself dry of all your stuff yeah, because sometimes it's like, oh my gosh, like how many more stories am I gonna have to tell? Like <laughs> that are so deep and so like that actually happened to you. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know how to segue out of that in the next question, but I'm gonna just do it. So sure, go ahead. You're primarily a TV writer, so yeah. obviously we have to talk about disability representation on TV. Um, how are we doing? I'm pretty shitty. <laughs> That's what I thought you'd say. Uh, why do you think we're pretty shitty and how can we do better? Okay, to be fair to everybody that's doing the work, there are people out there that are doing the work. Um, I mean, they have to get yeses from people and like the yeses are few and far between. But there's like, and I feel like I can say names because they're public figures. There's like Maysoon Zaid. Um, and like Ali Stroker. Oh yeah, Ali Stroker, that Oscar win. I am here. Oscar Tony win. Sorry. Tony win. Yeah, yeah. I am here I, for that. Amazing. I, I actually just saw it yesterday. Um. Well, we're we're friends a little bit. Um. So I. What? Yeah. Um. Because of college. Uh, it's a long story. We're going to... There's so many tangents. So here. many tangents. Wow. Um, okay, um, so there's Ali Stroger. There's Ryan O'Connell. Um, yeah, Ryan O'Connell, who... Um, speechless. I admittedly didn't watch Speechless. Um, I feel like I didn't give it a fair chance, but that's another story. But so there's the people... Speechless. There are people doing the work, but just overall, like... Everybody I've ever talked to about representation on t- or TV or like uh, okay, so any disabled woman that I've talked to really that is in TV or wants to be in TV, she always says like she wants her like Sex in the City Carrie Bradshaw show moment. Um, like more than one person has said that to me. And mm, I mean, when you look at Sex in the City, it hasn't aged super well. So. I mean, yes, but also I don't. I would want it to be much more intersectional than it ever was. 
Oh, yeah. Well, for sure. Like, intersection completely, like, modernize it. Like, and get all the white, like, uh, you get know. Get all the white people out of there. Get all the white people out. Um, I don't know. But I, I understand the sentiment of, and I mean, maybe they were all white women. I'm not really sure. But I understand the sentiment of, you know, wanting to have, like, a show about sex or dating or whatever. Um, so I guess maybe they want, like, or, like, I would love a hybrid of, like, Insecure. I know you love Insecure. Yeah, I do. And maybe a little bit of Sex in the City. I don't know. I mean... Or just, you know, you know what I would love to see? A broad city-esque type show about disability. I have... Broad City is, like, a comedy, right? I don't watch everything. Sorry to tell you. Um, but... Wow, you... Okay, suggestion. Broad City yeah. is the shit. Amazing, and I should watch it? Okay, yeah. I will. Um, no, it's funny because uh, I feel like I sh- becoming a TV writer has actually made me realize how much TV I have to watch. Oh, there's so much out there. There's, yeah. too, there's too much out there. And I don't, I actually very rarely get paid like to watch TV. Like they basically, um, you don't have to watch everything that you write about, which is obviously a little bit of common sense, but it's so funny because every once in a while I'll get like messages from people about like the most random show. And it's like, Oh, sorry. I'm glad you like that piece, but I actually don't watch that. And I feel like super bad. Um, but yeah, back to TV and disability. I think that it's a lot of men, like white men that are, that are getting spaces. And I love that. I love that they're queer or some of them are, um, for sure, but the, it's a lot of white men. Um, I love, I love special. Oh my god, I could talk about that for a million years. Yeah, I love special. I actually wrote an essay about special for Romper. They literally gave me a day. They were like, um, I was like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm taking so long on this. Like, this is like super hard because it was like a personal essay. Um, and she's like, no, we blocked out the day for you to do this. And I was like, oh, my God, that's amazing. Wow. Um, yeah, so I wrote an essay about that. But, I mean, the thing that people have to realize about disability on TV is, like, you're never going to see your exact story reflected back at you. Um, and somebody's always going to be upset about it. Like, I'll never forget, like, when that piece about special came out. Um, somebody tweeted me. I think she had CP also um but she was like i don't know she was like like she didn't think it was great and she was like tell that to all the people that are like in their like spiraling in their fields about disability right now and i was like i'm so sorry that you feel that way um i feel like i because i had the same experience too that i had i wrote some stuff for canadian um media about the show and i was on did some radio interviews about it as like just as just a disability consultant which felt weird because i didn't write it or i didn't have a hand in it but they asked me to like speak on it so i did and then i had people coming up to me in my in my dms being like actually the show didn't represent all of us and i was like it wasn't supposed to yeah i think that what people have an issue with sometimes is like that these shows sort of have to like represent stereotypes um, to, to defy them almost. Yeah. So I sh- what this person was saying 
was that like oh it depicted every stereotype of disability but it's like listen i live with my parents right now like i mean and you know ryan on the show and in in life also you know he's not in that situation which i'm jealous but like i've had situations where you know somebody like not necessarily that like my friends stand me up for a party but like of feeling left out of parties and stuff. Yeah. So even though these are like stereotypes of disability or like things that we don't like to face, I don't even like to call them as, I don't, I'm like blanking on the exact definition of a stereotype right now, but I almost don't even like to call it a stereotype because it, they actually happen. Yeah, and they... so he has to talk about that. And, and so like, if it makes you feel ashamed of yourself, like, I'm really sorry for that. Like, I'm an empath. Like, from the bottom of my heart, I, I, I really feel sorry. But for me, it made me feel, like, seen. You know what I mean? And Netflix gave him, like, I don't... It was, like, each episode was, like, 15 minutes. So, like, less than a normal TV show. But they gave him, like, quite a good amount of time to, like, explore disability. And, like, of course, it's hit most, it's based on his life. So, I'm not a queer... Um, man white i'm not a queer white man um going so after that d no you're not yeah no i'm not i'm i'm going after a different a different type of d i guess but <laughs> can't believe i even said that um so but, many possible titles for this article for this episode so many possible titles yes love it am i gonna have to talk about anal and second in the running is I'm going after a different type of d great um so um you know he's not he didn't reflect me completely but like some of the things like you know the episode where his friends leave him or like don't show up to his party or like you know he was in journalism I so you know I don't know necessarily if it was like I don't know what his company that he was in was supposed to mock um, off the top of my head right now, but they were mocking they were, his like egg woke company. He was mocking like, well, like half post and like all those like. Oh, okay, yeah. So <laughs> I like work at like similar, uh, similar places, but so that I, I um, you know that I relate to, but nobody's gonna relate to everything. I think that's part of like I mean disability is so diverse. Um, we've gone off on so many different tangents. Um, this whole episode is a big tangent. Yeah, it's like uh, tangents with Esmeralda. That's what you should call this. I, that, um, it might just be that. It might just, I don't know. Um, but so n- nobody's going to feel completely represented. I think that like that, you know, at a certain point in my life, I even realized like, you know, even though Ali represents like tons of like is like the most well-known um or like one of the most well-known women with disabilities out there I had a couple of moments in my life where I was like she doesn't represent me and like it kind of hurts a little bit but I mean it's just it's nothing she can do like you know being paralyzed is different than having CP I also that that's a big thing with um with with TV 
Um, well, with representation in media, I think like um, being paralyzed is something that we can all easily digest because you're like, oh, like this accident happened to you. Like, and before that, you were quote unquote just like me. Yeah. But, but so, so, like, the narrative around that is like a lot easier to digest. And that's really easy. And those narratives are really easy to digest in terms of like, TV, like, oh no, you had an accident. We can do that. Oh no, you right. Like, you can't really do. Ryan was born with CP. Right, exactly. Like, I had a. I mean, I've had times in my my life where he, I think I, I think it's literally mentioned that my wheelchair glamour shoot, um, where somebody was like, oh, what happened to you? And I was just like, ugh, like nothing. I was born like this. And they were like, oh, you should like come up with a cool story about it. And you're like, and- why? The cool story was I survived. That's the story. <laughs> you know, as I get older, like, I think that it's, like, the coolest story ever. And I'm like, the coolest thing I do in my life is not going to be survive, like, I survive that. But, I mean, it might just be, but I really hope not. Um, but... But, I mean, I think at the time I was just, you know, you laugh and go along with it. Yeah, ha, ha, like I yeah, should say Yeah, because you don't know what else yeah. to do because you're like, oh, yeah. that's awkward. Uh, yeah, okay. oh, it's really awkward. Yeah, so I think it has a lot to do with, like, what stories the me- like um, the general public can digest. We have a long way to go. Um, so, as a TV writer, like, what, what, if there was another show about disability to come out tomorrow, what kind of stuff would you want to see in there? Well, I would want to do, like, more of a dramedy type of, like, not necessarily, like, a sitcom, like, a sitcom feel, but, like, more of a dramedy, like, so we could get to, like, deep stuff, but also, like, realize that, like, sometimes I say, like, my life is an I Love Lucy sitcom. Um, I mean, (laughs) I mean, I love I Love Lucy. I'd watch that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, so... I'm trying to think, like, of, like, if you could do, like, a parenthood-esque, but, like, make it funnier, um, or, like, you know, something, I mean, I was just watching Big Little Lies last night, and I was, it was funny, because I was thinking about how, like, there are, like, usually I should, I could say, like, good girls, I love good girls, oh my god, I love good girls so much, usually I could be like, oh, good girls should have, like, a character with a disability like uh, you know badass mom like robbing grocery stores but in Big Little Lies like I couldn't think of anybody that could be um, a wheelchair user or have a disability I think because they're so rich and it's such about affluence I was like I don't even know how somebody with a disability would like navigate this world so it's it's really funny like I don't know. It's funny to think about stuff like that. I did that sometimes. When you get to episode 101 of this show, I did a thing where I took that movie, You've Got Mail, and I mm-hmm. pretended like one of the characters was in a wheelchair. And I was like, how would this movie play out differently? And I did a whole, like, 45 minutes. Oh, that's awesome. I'm like... I would... Sorry, I don't want to talk over you. I would so watch that movie. It's I, I would also watch that movie. So I did that all the time where I think about, like, how... Would this character, how would their life be different if they were, in my case, a wheelchair user? I just want a wheelchair user in Good Girls because I have a huge crush on Manny Montana. I like, mean, yes. 
he's gorgeous. And I'm just like, yeah, you can like do whatever you want to me. <laughs> Speaking of doing whatever people want to you, um, in reading your form, I noticed that, and it's, I hope it's okay we go here now. I noticed that yeah. you are also a disabled virgin. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I'm excited about that because I haven't talked to many disabled virgins on the show before. And also because, like, it seems like it's that something you're, you're building kind of into, like, a cool personality trait for yourself right now. Are you? No, I hope not. Okay. <laughs> I mean, maybe. Okay, so... The thing is, it's, like, why I'm, I'll talk about it and why I'm not, like, embarrassed to talk about it is just because of who I am. But also because, like, I mean, you literally, like, I guess there could be a part two of this um, uh, glamour shoot essay where I'm, like, oh, and also, like, the next day I, like, you know, pop that cherry. Um, but, <laughs> but there's not. Um, so... <laughs> So, um, I guess the reason why I'm so open about it, or, like, will be right now, is that, um, you know, you just have to read the piece to see that I got my first kiss at my 10-year high school reunion, so I was, like, what, 28 or something? Um, so, I mean, it is what it is. Um, I don't know what else to say. Ask me another question about um, if you want to. So... Do you feel like, because, because you know, it is true that disabled people, we enter into relationships later in life and we enter into relationships um, differently than non-disabled people do because of the ableism we've experienced. Do you feel pressure to, like, lose that virginity because you want to fit some normality box? Or do you, are you just like, oh, it is what it is, whatever? Um, it's kind of like a two-sided thing. So... I sort of feel the pressure, but then I sort of don't because, first of all, like, okay, let me try and think about what I want to say about this. So, I mean, everybody feels the pressure. I think I felt it a little bit more, like, earlier in life when I was, like, 15, 16, 17. So, this is, this is what I'll say. Like, when I was 12 and... Uh, or however old and I used to have like respite workers or babysitters I don't know what I, I mean I would call them like today like PCA. PCA yeah yeah they would come to my house and like help me with homework or whatever and you know I mean one or two would like bring their boyfriends sometimes and I would be like oh when I'm like such and such an age like you know the like the making out that I was watching happening in my kitchen like that'll happen for me like when people, you know, when, like, people my age get more mature. And then I got to high school, and I was like, oh, in college, when people my age get more mature and doesn't really matter, that'll happen for me. And then you get to a point where you can't say, in such and such a time, that'll happen for me. <laughs> yeah. Because... Uh, like, newsflash, as me, the people, like, your age, they... Very, very rarely yeah. mature. I don't want to say like they don't mature. That's mean, but like 
I mean, I think, like, having a disability gives you some kind of, like, wisdom superpowers a little bit. Um, and a little bit of extra maturity at times. Um, Sometimes too much where you're like, can I, I get that all the time even now. Like, I, like, people are like, oh, come to this bar and get drunk. And I'm like, nope, I have to go home and take care, like, take care of my stuff. I have to go home and, like, do this. I have to be responsible. I have to do all, like, so I get it, yeah. The wisdom part and the, like, forced to growing up thing yeah i totally get it yeah so i mean there's also the the so yes i feel the pressure there also the there's part of it that's like well i'm not just gonna give it up to anybody like just because yeah just because like i totally respect people that hire sex workers to do that or want to or whatever but it's just not for me yeah so I'm like, well, I'm not going to do that, and I'm not going to give it up to just anybody. So, I mean, it's here. <laughs> I, I love how you're just like, it's here. There it is. <laughs> yeah. I've I mean, got it. Let me know if you want it, and we'll talk about some things later. <laughs> yeah, I mean, let me know if you want it, and then, like, you know, six weeks after we've been talking, if I've deemed you worthy if of... I've deemed you sex-worthy, then... Yeah, then, you know, what is... That's kind of where I am with it. Do you ever imagine that if you weren't disabled that you might have lost it sooner? A thousand percent. Like, a lot of the time. I think that I've had an interesting journey with ableism and not even knowing what it is. And When did you discover what it was? Well, a couple of years ago, the word was, like, you know, big because the U.S. got, like human rights in the, in the U.S. got something that, like, not that it's not worthy of being loud about all the time, but, like, more people had to get loud about. Yeah. Um, so, you know, things like, um, you know, things like ableism were, were, like, brought more to the forefront. And I was like, oh, like, that's a thing. Like, people, like, there's a word for that. There is a word for all of the times I felt like weird and awkward and different because of how somebody was treating me but it's not necessarily my fault um and I think like okay so the term I should have used sorry was like internalized ableism because I spent a lot of my I don't even know like I spent a lot of like I would guess you would say my teen years or something honestly we're getting so deep but like I'll just I'm go so there ready. go there go there my therapist could probably give you, like, a better time frame because she she was, like, you, like, think you're better than everybody else and you, like, talk like you're better than everybody else. And don't certain- people realize that's us being, like, I don't feel better and so I'm trying to make myself feel better by doing that? Don't people get that yet? Uh, well, I mean, this is what, I don't know, like, she, I know how you feel about therapists. But my therapist is awesome. I mean, she's able-bodied, but she, like, is, I'm so glad for you that she's awesome because they are not. So yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. No, I know how you feel about it, and it's totally valid. Um, she's just one of the able-bodied therapists that I think kind of can get it. I mean, she does some things that I'm like, oh, I, you know, no, like, stop telling me that I, I need to get out more to get dates. It's so hard. Like, oh, that's the worst. Yeah. I mean, that's why for me, sex work is great because I don't have to. I order in what I want. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, but I live with my parents, 
So oh. even if I wanted that to happen right now, it wouldn't and couldn't. Um, but I, I, to, let's be clear that I don't think it's for me. Like I'm all about, like, maybe it's like a dream in my head, but I'm all about like, I always thought before this thing happened to me, like at my reunion, I always thought like, okay, like I'm going to kiss one guy and like one guy is going to pop the cherry and then like, we're going to get married and like, it's going to be happily ever after. Oh, that was me up until like yesterday. But he's going to be like the most awesome guy because obviously he, I'm going to feel myself around him with a disability. So none of it's going to matter. Um, what were we even talking? We were talking about I don't something. Know. Before. We went off on. We've been. We've gone off on like twenty-five quadrillion changes. I'm gonna. <laughs> so you talk about one of the things I you said in your forum that I was really excited to chat with you about, and I want to get it in before I forget. Uh, sure. You said you were really excited to chat about independence and what that means for you specifically as a disabled person. So I love this because independence is tied to ableism so much all the time every day and I'd love to hear from a fellow disabled person what independence means for them okay so I used to think that independence was like um move out of this house that I'm in right now um live on my own work you know a full-time job like do everything for yourself be totally yeah everything for myself a hundred percent like I can, as far as, like, abilities go, this is relevant now. Like, I can dress myself. I'm fucking Um, jealous of you, but that's awesome. But also, fuck right up. Yeah, fuck me. Oh, I I understand. (laughs) And you've actually, like, opened my eyes a little bit to um, just, like, your your show, your podcast and everything is, like, so inclusive and so amazing. And I love how you're, like, like, you, I, I say all the time, like, in my writing, if somebody, like, walks their talk, um, like, you walk your talk about, like, including everybody in your podcast, and I just love that, because so many people, like, I was so humbled to, like, get this invitation and stuff, you know, like, it's so rare that, like, you'll be like, oh, yeah, like, let's work together, but, um, but, like, it won't actually happen, so I just love that this happened, and I just love, like, the variety of people so far that have been on so fun and thank you so much. first of all my heart's like full and exploding right now but i love the more the more and more i do this show the less and less it is about sex and the more it is about tell me your disabled story yeah that's awesome um but so sorry back to independence back um, to in- <laughs> so i i i actually like remember the thread that we were on so i got back there amazing um, thank you <laughs> yeah so I used to think it was all the conventional things like you know like I can dress myself and I can shower and stuff and you know like my shoes are really hard to get on but like I'll find a pair of shoes that I'll, I can get on and it'll all be good um but then a couple of years ago um excuse me I um a couple of years ago, I I just I was in a good place, and something happened. Like my family was going through something weird, and my brother said was like he he sat he was like sitting on my bed, and he was like, 
we need to help out, you know, like we need to do more. We need to like, like uh, we need to help, like, I don't know, just like help the family through the situation. And I was like, great. Like, what do you want me to do? Like, you, if someone needs therapy, like I'll call up my therapist and give, get them a referral. Um, you know, like, what do you want me to do? But, and I was in a great place. So I don't think that he realized that like, there was nothing I could do for this person beyond getting them a therapy reference. But then I was sitting and thinking like, what could I, what can I do to like take more pressure off? And like, I realized that I could like hire a PCA, like I could actually hire somebody to do things I needed for myself. Yeah. Um, and so I did that. I hired somebody and she was really great. And I learned a lot about, um, like, it's okay to need somebody to tie back your hair, like, because you can't do it every day or to ask somebody to help you wash your hair or to like help ask someone to help you get dressed because it's faster. And I, we also were trying to like get things done in my room. So um, a thread of this podcast is that I'm a pretty messy person. So Got when my, <laughs> or I was, so when my PCA first came in, my room was a mess. And so we were just about like cleaning up my room. Um, Cause I mean, my parents never like, I, th- you know, they have their own lives. And, and also, I think they, our parents from are from a different generation where they were taught, like, you have to do it yourself. And so I think what the evolution of independence, what the evolution of, like, independence with relation to disability should be is, like, you can be independent by asking for help. Sure. No, so I realized that, like, asking for help and, like, paying this person to help me was giving me so much independence. And I feel like... So many of my stories are so deep, but I'm going to finish this story. So actually, my first PCA that I hired, she passed away. She got, she would skydive and she, um, she would solo skydive and she got into an accident. Well, I don't know if it was an accident, but something went wrong. Um, and she passed away. Oh no, Um, I'm so sorry. That's that. Sounds really tough. Yeah, it was really tough because it was the first time that I was hiring. Well, okay. So I had had PCAs like through college and like, you know, I was mentioning my um, babysitters and stuff. Yeah, I, sort- yeah. I sort of had PCAs, but this was the first time that I was hiring somebody independently. And it, it was even independent of government programs because. Wow. So it was literally all you. Yeah. I mean,. So you were like, I had enough jobs. I had, I, I worked enough that I can actually do this for me. Um, I don't know. This is a whole nother tangent that I don't know that I, I mean, I'm on SSI. Um, so I don't know that like I had enough. Um, but what happens to me is that I'm in such a weird space of like what my care needs are and stuff that I don't qualify and then if I do qualify, I remember, so my PCA who passed, at one point she said, she, she had like care knowledge, so she would care for like, like a child with, 
with um you know health issues and stuff so she knew so for one particular family she worked for she did it through like a system yeah like a program and she was like oh why don't you call and see if you can do do it so i can get more regular hours like she would come once a week for like four hours or something um so why don't you do that and so i called up and i get ssi and so i told them like what i made and i think i wasn't employed at at the time excuse me i just hiccuped i wasn't employed at the time and they were like oh that's too much money and so like what we would do is we would like take your money um and like put it aside for your care and then you would have a and i'm like what do you mean that's too much money all i told you was the money that the government is giving me how is that how is that too much money um so I just realized that, I mean, it's a complicated web of things. That's for obviously a completely different podcast. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, we can, t- let, we can bring it in here. But basically the cares, the, the, the money structures in SSI and in, in Canada, like the in, the in Ontario, it's the ODSP. So, yeah, they don't give us enough to, to survive. And then if you make enough to just survive, they take away all the rest of it. So I get it. Yeah, you barely, like, okay, I'm, because I have a part-time job that's, like, on the books and everything, I'm, like, SSI has this section, or this program, quote-unquote, that they have, that they still give you your the money for nine months, but then they take it away. Oh. So, I'm right now, I'm in, like, the period, because, you know, I didn't want to break the law or anything. Yeah. I obviously nobody should break the law. Um, I mean, but if you have to do what you got to do. Uh, yeah, I mean there are ways around it. I just don't want to sound like I'm like, yes, everybody go do. I will say it. Everyone with a disability should be disabled do crimes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's what I want the name of this podcast. There we go. Everybody there we with go. A yes. Should do crimes. <laughs> but but you said it. So I don't know. I said um, it. I just didn't want to talk over you there. Are you there? Yeah, I'm there. Okay. No, so I just found that um, um, paying out of pocket was kind of better for me. Like, I couldn't do it the other way. Um, so, so, yeah, that was that. But so sh- she passed, and it was really sad because I was just – she was just like teaching me or like I was teaching myself through her and she was teaching me like what independence could mean for me. Oh. Yeah. And so it was like really, it was like a really hard, really, really hard loss. Of course. Um, But I've kind of like found some, some beauty in it almost. Like it's helped me learn also like in passing she's also helped me learn to like be more independent because i'm like it's so it's so cliche but it's really true like you never know how much time you have and you're not here forever um and so i'm just trying to do more things you know what i mean or and like ask for help while i do them like like the week before she passed i had planned a trip to california i hadn't even told her about it i had a friend I should say, like, friend tendant who 
but just a friend. I don't, I mean, it's a great word, but you know, it's, it's the <laughs> best know. word ever. Um, so I had a friend who agreed to come, was agreeing to come with me and I was turning 30. And, um, I don't know if you read my piece on, um, it was my first piece that was non-regional. It was about, um, Sarah Drew and Jessica Capsha yeah. getting fired from Grey's. Um, and so Sarah Drew, that piece kind of went viral. Um, I don't know what viral is cause it doesn't have like a definition, but like, Sarah and Jessica found it and they like, you know, shared it and followed me and did all these things. Wow. Um, yeah, it was amazing. Um, and it was like a really hard introduction into like what freelance writing is. Like it wasn't my first introduction because I'd been writing for this regional website, but it was like my first like, you know, non-regional popular site essay. And it was like, whoa. This is, like, huge. Yeah, this is, this is like, big now. Yeah, so I wanted to go to California because Sarah was in a play, and I wanted to see her in this play, like, kind of get, like, closure once and for all because um, her character of April Kempner and Sarah now especially, like, means a lot for my life. Um, and so, and I was like, I'm turning 30. Like, whatever, I'm just going to do this. I'm at a great place in my life. I have my care attendant... Um, so I'm learning so much. I'm just doing really well. And then like, she, I had planned this trip. So the trip was already planned with another friend and then she passed. And so I had California in July to kind of like, it kind of felt like healing a little bit. Um, and so I had that, that trip to like heal and like, also like, you know, like when you're away, I definitely can hardly ever shower myself when I'm away, even if the shower says accessible, because yeah. just never perfect. Um, so, you know, I try to do things like let my friend help me shower and like not feel guilty about it or like let her help me with makeup. Um, I had a friend shower me a few weeks ago, like, and it was weirdly the most, it's such a, it's such a weird uncomfortable but comfortable experience once you get past that like oh there's your body oh we're naked okay like yeah once that's over and it's they're actually helping you i find that i i found anyway that they like bonded our friendship in a way that i can't explain that i'm really excited by yeah i mean i don't necessarily know if that like helping me i mean i guess the whole trip kind of like she just we saw what it was like to live with each other over. It was just four days because I'm disabled. I can't afford like a whole week or whatever. And I really just wanted to go to this play. Um, <laughs> I mean, we also went to Disney World and or Disneyland, excuse me. And I love California. Um, I'm actually going gonna, gonna bleh, excuse me gonna go back for my real like. This was a little bit before my birthday, but I'm gonna go back for my actual birthday this year. Yay! I love California too. I love it so much. I want to. I want to be there right now. Um, but I'm so excited. My one of my brothers actually lives there, and so I'm. I'm like, stay. Like I was like, are you okay after the earthquakes? I was like, are you okay? But I'm not letting you leave. Um, <laughs> because I need a reason to go to California. Um, but no. So, I mean, yeah, the showering with with my helping my friend help me shower. It was 
Good. I mean, just in general, I don't know if all of the listeners or you can tell I'm just like a super open person. And oh, I'm no, so- I got that. I figured that out right away. That's what I figured <laughs> that out from your essay, which is why you're here right now. So, yay. I, I, I'm surprised I haven't said worse. And I'm going to be thinking about like what I've said through this whole podcast. But, um, but so I, I don't really I I at first I was nervous about her showering me and I was like no like let's not do it every single day and you know because I do that all the time where I'm like maybe we shouldn't and you try to like you try to make the other person feel like you don't need so much so therefore you're not a burden so like but yeah like what I I found that when I was like when my friend showered me we danced to Lizzo naked in my bathroom for like 25 minutes and it was the most fun care thing I've done in a long time yeah yeah I mean and I I have a new care I think also oh what I think I wanted to talk to you a little bit about was just that I mean I admire some when you talk about like some um the like line you keep between your care attendance and and like and like friendship kind of there's a line that you try and I try, um, but sometimes yeah. it blurs. Yeah, sure. No, uh, a thousand percent of the line, line blurs all the time. I think that I was trying really hard with um the, my first attendant that passed. We were like, we weren't even Facebook friends yet. I mean, she was a super open person. And like, we were really, we got really close in just a few months. Um, So we would have gotten to like all the things and like, you know, all the things. Um, But. I tried really hard uh, to, you know, to, to grow that line naturally. So, like, it would happen when she wanted it to. Like, if, if she wanted to go out and, like, to a concert or something just as friends, like, she would be the one to bring that up or whatever. Um, but I find that, like, the fact that I'm thankfully right now at least able to hire the care that I have, which is not much. It's just, like, it's once every two weeks now I have it. Um, it, it makes it, it just like, I know the person and I hired them. And so like, it makes that line a little bit easier to like cross, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Not necessarily, not that you could, I'm not saying like you could, you could do that or whatever, but I think that like, if I, I wish for everybody that they could just like pick their care attendance, you know? That's, I think that's a dream of anybody who receives care. If you could, if you had the money to hire the best people, the people that you connect with the best, and you could do that, I, I, I would, I, I wish, also like you, for everybody that that's, that that was a possibility. Yeah. No, and I understand, like, there's privilege in that, or, or, or a li- I don't, a little bit at least, because I don't necessarily honestly know if I, I mean, I, I'm affording it. So I can afford it. Um, but I don't, you know, as I get more independent, as far as like, you figure out how to f- fucking move away from the house I pretty much grew up in, um, and things like that, I don't, you know, I know I'm gonna need more care. Um, just as, as far as, you know, somebody making sure that I look put together in the morning, because, you know, a lot of times, my pants are hanging from my ass or whatever. I mean, uh, sometimes I wear track pants all the time, and that's okay, too. Yeah, no, I'm in a pair of pajamas right now, Amazing. everybody. Are they Mickey Mouse pajamas? 
Oh, no, I think I retired those. Oh, we'll have to get you some other ones then. I had them for the longest time, but, um, yeah, they needed to be retired. Um, so one of the things that I love about what, about something you put in the form, tell me about how it feels when men say on their online profiles, when disabled men specifically say on their online profiles that they only want, quote, able, able-bodied preferred. How does that make you feel? Oh, so this happened to me once, and I will always remember it because I do the dating site thing, um, but um, not very often, on and off. So when I first did it, I was away at school. I went away to a college in Pennsylvania, which I live on. Long, um, I live in New York on Long Island, I guess I could say, because I started to say it. Um, so I went away to. <laughs> Um, Pennsylvania, and I was like really lonely, and I had the roommate from hell. Um, oh no! And I, yeah, it was just horrible. I feel like we're getting into such sad things, but I'm like a really like I. Oh no! I saw you. I saw you before we started. You're a happy, bubbly person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for vouching for me. I'm not super depressing. Super bubbly. Um, um, but uh, we could get into another conversation because I totally take um, anti-anxiety medication and it changed my life. Um, but anyway, so I was on this dating site when I was like 18 or something away at school. And this, I think it was like dating for disabled because I literally was just like learning. Oh, like, that site? Oh. oh yeah. 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 <laughs> So anyway, and so I scrolled past this this profile, and it, it was a guy in a chair, I think, and he was cute. And I was like reading his profile, and it said "able-bodied women preferred" or something like that. And I was like, "What the fuck? Like, I can't put." I think the reason why it hurts so much, or like it it pisses me off, is like I can't put that on my profile because. I mean, I uh, okay. So now I'm on like the ones where you like match and whatever. Like Tinder um, and Bumble and yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, not Tinder. I don't know. I haven't. I haven't gone on Tinder yet. But even like OkCupid now has like some weird thing where you just can't like message anyone. It's really annoying. Um, but I so now I'm like I can I get matches, and I'll like message them. Like I have a go to like. Um, question and everything and and then I just it's like okay so we match so you're interested too but then like you just don't answer like what the fuck is with that um so like I can't put able-bodied preferred in my profile because I don't know I just feel like I can't come off like a giant ableist yeah I feel I come off like a giant ableist asshole which is what this person came off as um I also, I just think, I it's really I feel like there's a lot of misogyny in the straight disabled male community. There's a lot of misogyny. Like, I've seen it on, when I look at, like, Reddit posts, I'll see disabled men being, like, looking for a able-bodied woman to, like, make me really happy or something. And then it's like, yeah. why, why do you have to, why? Yeah, I mean, okay, so I think that, I and I was excited to come on because we both, 
sort of we're like cis, we are cisgender um and we both are trying to attract males right so um or or male identified people that's right yeah i i will say i'm sorry i i try to do my best with the language but um it changes so rapidly somebody the other day online was like because i used male identified the other day and they're like why did you use that and I was like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to learn. Like, I, I'm sorry if I said the wrong thing. Like, I didn't mean to. I'm just trying to be as inclusive as possible by using the like right language. And I didn't want to fuck it up, so I said, "May I identify?" To like open the door, and they were like freaked out. But yeah, so yeah. I, no, I get it. Yeah. So we are both okay. So what I, I guess I should say, we are both seeking the to find a partner who is very caught up on like. Um, sh- like a shallow things like your looks and stuff or I, I don't know how to say it um, someone who isn't very caught up on those things no so just the community that we're looking for like you're in the, the gay the gay community right or the queer community I'm sorry like you're you're attracted to, to male identified people correct yes, yes. So, so just in general male identified people the people that they are attracted to they they um or i'm saying i'm it's so hard to say what i'm trying to say but like they place a lot of emphasis on looks and like i think you've said it in your podcast like um sometimes the community that you're in is like sort of obsessed with how they look and things like that oh definitely yes yeah yeah okay that's what i was getting at so i think that i'm sorry that was such rambly junk oh it's all staying um, in there it's amazing <laughs> great um so i think that so, so if you're looking for so in general women are have i don't know if this is society or whatever and i want to be as inclusive as possible but i just have to make this generality to make a point women are a, caregivers a lot of the time or or Female identified people are a lot of the times considered like associated with care um, and in giving care and maybe looking past looking past um, someone's look to looks to find love as yeah. opposed as opposed to just looking for sex right not um, you know again I'm making a generality but I'm trying to make a point so I think that it's really hard. I, and I'm not trying to be like, oh my god, it's so hard for me as a straight woman being disabled. But I think it it just it kind of is because um, I feel like a lot of the people that I'm looking for on those apps are looking for a certain thing, and like they'll see a wheelchair and like get scared away. Um, yeah, they're looking for. I think they're looking for like, and I have said it to you. Even when I look for for a gay man that I want to sleep with, I will sometimes look for an able-bodied gay man because I'm like I don't want to have to worry about. And I'm not saying this is always the right way to be, but sometimes I've been like I want a non-disabled guy because it's easier, which is totally full chock full of ableism, and I know that. But sure, I mean, I respect that. I I don't know for I understand that thinking because. Sure, like I've, I think that 
I had it to a certain extent at a certain point in my life. Um, but so I think that like, um, men who are disabled, they, women are more, or like female identified people. Okay. Male identified people. If they're searching for female identified people, they're more likely to find somebody who looks past their disability or like is willing to get to know somebody first. And maybe this is me being so stereotypical, but I just have noticed a lot of like, do you remember when, um, the Dr. Phil thing happened and the internet went crazy? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And there were a lot of those like, we are one out of a hundred that won't fail. Yeah. Um, I love those. And like part of my glamour essay was like sparked by that or whatever. But I just noticed, and I don't know what I'm saying about this. I'm not even trying to make a point because um, I'll just start rambling again. But I noticed that it was a lot of disabled male people or male identified people and able bodied female people. It's a, it's a, there's, there's a level of like care. There's a care element to that stuff. And I think it's tough for you to go, like, what if you want to meet a disabled dude? And yeah, they put that on and then you feel like you won't ever, you feel like you don't have a space. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess I think I just like talked around my words cause I'm trying not to offend anybody. Um, and I'm trying to be as inclusive as possible and I'm not sure that I did the best job. So listeners, I'm sorry if I didn't. Um, but yeah, I think that like the fact that a, a male descend, a male identified disabled person feels like he can put that on his profile is really demoralizing because it's like, sure, I understand that it it's easier or that like because of our own internalized ableism, we all like think that we need to like defy the whatever everyone thinks of us and date an able-bodied person. Like I understand that. Like I, there's a you know there's a little bit of pride in the fact that the guy that that I did whatever I did with was able-bodied and he's gorgeous and whatever. Um, it, it'll be super funny if he listens to this. But um, so I, I get that. Um, but yeah, like I think that I've worked through like a good amount of my internalized ableism. And, and if I did find an able-bodied guy hot and, and that like I felt like we could connect and um, I saw that on his profile, I'd be like, ew, it's like weird. So who who's going to take me then? Because you have that on your profile and then... It's super hard for um, for us to meet anybody. So yeah, who is gonna? Yeah, be, yeah. It's super hard in general to like like for able-bodied guys to just like you know to feel normal in front of like with an able-bodied guy or feel like seen in the room. In my experience, so like who's gonna you know who's the, out there for me? Um, yeah, that's what it feels like. That was such a long tangent. Amazing. Um, <laughs> this was great. I loved it. Thank you so much for taking the time and going off on 75,000 tangents with us today. Um, yeah. Me, how do people get a hold of you and follow your stuff? Um, so I'm on Twitter at Esme Mazio. Um, should I spell that? Um, no, I'll put it in the show notes. Don't worry. 
great. Awesome. I'm also on Instagram at asmemazio. And I have a website, asmemazio.com. Amazing, amazing. Uh, anything else? Any last words of wisdom you want to share? Huh? <laughs> I think I'm done. I'm scared if I said something else. Scared what it would be. Amazing. This, this episode is just a thousand tangents with Esme Mazio. Um, this is. I had so much fun. Thank you so much for coming on Disability After Dark. And I will talk to you after I hit the off record button. Thanks, Esme. Yeah, no worries. Bye. Bye. All right, friends. That's another episode of Disability After Dark the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability. My name is, of course, Andrew Gerza, and thank you so much for listening and helping the show go. I really appreciate that you all listen and that you come back every week, and I love doing it, and I love shining a bright light on these topics, so thank you. If you want to follow my work, you can head over to www.andrewgerza.com where you'll find my writings, some cool videos I've been in, and you'll see where I've been talking where I've been doing talks, and if you want to hire me to talk, you can do so there as well. If you want to follow me on the social media, you can put in all my handles on Insta, Twitter, and Facebook at TheAndrewGerza. If you want to follow the podcast specifically, you can follow us on Twitter at DisAftDarkPod, or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash DisabilityAfterDark. This show is a completely independent production. I literally record the show here in my bedroom in Toronto, and that's awesome. So if you want to support this fully independent program, you can head over to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark, and you can pledge $1 a month to get the show early and get really cool perks like that, and I, I will give you a shout-out on the air, and thank you for your support. It would be super awesome if you could also leave a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you download your podcast so that this show, all about sexuality and disability, something we don't talk about enough, can get more traction and more people can hear about the show. Lastly, if you want to be a part of Disability After Dark, you can submit your suggestions, story ideas, or your minisodes to our email inbox, disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next time, right here on the program Shining a Bright Light on Sex and Disability, Disability After Dark. New episodes of Disability After Dark will be available every Thursday on your favorite podcast app. Also available to Patreon subscribers one day early on every Wednesday. Thanks for listening. Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Andrew Gerza and Cripple Content Creations, with music by Chris Ujiuchi. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright 2019